Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. All right, welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg, and today we are joined again by Rick Gallagher to discuss the Secure Act 2.0, a true Christmas miracle. Congress came together right at the end. I think this was on the 23rd of December and passed some new tax legislation. So Secure Act 1.0 was passed back in 2019, and it's just some additional tax and retirement planning related changes in the tax law and just in retirement planning to help people get better prepared for retirement. So SECURE stands for, and this is super clever here by Congress, the SECURE Act is Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, As I mentioned, there was SECURE Act 1.0 in 2019, and then here we are with SECURE Act 2.0, and Rick and I are going to just take a high-level overview of what was discussed. A handful of things are too far in the future, so we're not going to worry about those. But for now, we'll get into what's really important to our, what we think is going to be important to our clients today. So Rick, what do we know now about the Secure Act 2.0? I just have to say, I'm glad we're not going to read all 4,100 pages of the bill that was passed, like you said, the 23rd. Next episode. I think Yeah. I think passed by the House the 23rd, roughly, and then the Senate like the day after Christmas and then signed into law just before the end of the new year. But it is interesting to say it's 4,100 page bill, but 125-ish pages of it is the SECURE Act. So not terrible from just a page length, but yeah, glad we're not going to read the whole thing. I think the thing that, that maybe we should head this off with is RMDs. And man, in our world, Austin, just acronyms till the end of time, right? So for those listening, RMD stands for required minimum distribution. This is essentially the tax code, the government saying, hey, you have this retirement account, you haven't paid taxes on it for all these years that the money's been in there. Once you hit a certain age, we're going to require that you distribute at a minimum this certain amount of money. So typically that RMD starting age, going back a little bit, it was age 70, And then with Secure Act 1, it moved up to age 72. Now they've pushed it back to age 73 and in typical Congress fashion, made it a little more complicated than it used to be. So it's pushed back to age 73 if you were born in the years 1951 to 1959. And it's pushed back to age 75 if you're born 1960 and after. A welcome change, I would say, to keep seeing the RMD age pushed back. You don't have opportunity to keep money deferred from taxes for a little bit longer. Interesting, you know, I don't know. Is Congress saying, "Hey, we think people are going to live longer"? I'm not sure exactly what drives that. This is me thinking out loud, and this is just my opinion. I have not heard anything on this, but it feels like a little bit of a precursor to changes they're going to have to make to Social Security in terms of delaying access ages there as well. You know, in the Social Security episode we did a few weeks ago. We talked about how they're you know, they're going to have to make some changes to Social Security so that it doesn't 
quote unquote, run out of money. And this to me feels a little bit like a precursor to, hey, RMDs are pushed back. Next thing to come is social security ages are pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be interesting to see if it becomes that. Yeah. I think that's a good thought. So along with RMDs, we often talk about another acronym, QCDs, which is a qualified charitable distribution, which again, at a very high level is the ability to take money from an IRA or another retirement account. And instead of distributing it normally to yourself and paying taxes on it, you can take the distribution and send it to a charity, a qualified charity, and not have to bring it into your taxable income or your taxable situation. So there's no impact to the age at which you can take those. That was something we were a little bit concerned with. Hey, if you're going to push the RMD age back, are we going to have to wait longer to be able to perform a QCD? But that remains age 70 and a half that you can take that. It's interesting. We talk about these changes and the nitty gritty and the ages the majority of IRA owners, I think it's fair to say, they're going to use these accounts ahead of these early 70s, mid 70s ages to live on anyway. And so they're going to already be distributing, but you know, got to be compliant with the tax code. So nice to see yeah. what the changes are. <laughs> yeah. While we're on QCDs, let's pop back there for a second because there are a few other changes there. Again, it's not something that a ton of people do, but it is a really important part of tax planning that we do with our clients, especially those in higher tax brackets that we can, how can we keep their taxable income as low as possible? So while we're on the QCDs, there's a few other minor things they've introduced here. Do you want to just run through those real quick? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple of things that are known as a charitable remainder trust. Another podcast episode maybe to to cover that piece of the tax code. But what we now have the ability to do is take a QCD, a qualified charitable distribution, and send that to person's charitable remainder trust rather than just going to an outside charity, which is something we couldn't do before. Now, it's limited to a maximum over a person's lifetime of 50,000 that you can use the QCD to go to the charitable trust. So not a not a massive impact, but still a nice tool that we can use to to help folks that have these types of trusts set up. And it's also worth mentioning that the QCD limit not for a lifetime but on an annual basis was 100,000 and it's been 100,000 for a number of years. They've now tied that to inflations beginning in 2024. So that 100,000 limit that you can do each year is going to move up, which is also going to be beneficial to a lot of folks. Yeah. So I wanted to get that one. That piece is really niche, not something that's going to apply to everybody. Certainly, if you have tax planning questions and you're trying to figure out how to use your retirement accounts in the most tax efficient manner, a QCD is something that can help and something we certainly spend a lot of time with our clients on. But as you mentioned, for the most part, this is these are meaningless changes, these two, because most people tap into their accounts. They need them to live on. They're using them as part of their retirement income. Right. So I'm going to, you know, let's hop then to the, some of the changes I think are going the most fun, most important, and maybe the most impactful for people and helping them get a head start. And a lot of these have to do with changes to the Roth side of retirement plans. So, you know, again, we've got two sides inside it. You know, let's just use it 401k as an example. You've got the traditional side, which is you get the tax deduction today, you pay taxes in the future, or you can do the Roth side, which is you pay taxes today, but you never pay taxes on the money again as it grows and as you pull it out. So historically speaking, in terms of retirement plans, that was locked, that was limited to either IRAs or 401ks. Mm -hmm. They've now added Roth 
accounts to simple IRAs, which is a similar type of plan to a 401k, typically for smaller companies, a little bit lower limits, lower max matching contributions. And also for SEPs, a SEP IRA is something that a lot of our self-employed clients use. So if they own their own company, they don't, they're not setting up a big 401k for dozens or hundreds of employees. It's just this SEP IRA, maybe for them and a spouse. And they've now added Roth accounts. You can now use Roth in SEP. So again, I think that's really important because we love that Roth side of things. One of the things as we're seeing here with all these changes to Secure Act is the tax code changes all the time. All the time. So it's nice to have these Roth accounts where we know what the tax impact of the decision today is. And we know that in the future, doesn't matter what happens to the tax law because we've already paid taxes on that money. We get to take it out tax-free. Another really interesting change is, let's just go back to the 401k. If you're participating in a 401k and you're getting an employer match, historically speaking, even if you used the Roth accounts in your 401k, the employer match always went into the traditional side. So you were always going to have to pay taxes on that piece. But now employer match can also go to the Roth side. And I think that's really important for especially younger people, lower income individuals, people who don't really need a lot of tax help today. It wasn't helping them much to get that match on that taxable side because they were going to pay taxes in the future. Now they can get it in there in the Roth. And again, just give it that much more time to grow tax-free. Now they do have to pick up the match as income, right? So you still have to pay the taxes. You're not avoiding it altogether. But I think that can be really impactful for lower income and younger people contributing because it's just that many more years of tax-free growth. A couple changes maybe that are in the negative as it relates to some of the changes to Roth is if you're a high wage earner, and the way they define that is if your income was over 145000 you now have to use the Roth account for your catch-up contributions. So if you're age 50 or older, they allow you to contribute more to your IRA or 401k, but they're no longer letting you deduct the higher amount. So that catch-up contribution has to go to the Roth side. So you still have to pay taxes on it today. That comes into effect in 2024. So we've got a You've got a year to mess with your income enough to keep it below that 145 number. And they also, there was some announcements and you may hear this. I know I've seen some articles on online here recently about being able to move your 529 over to a Roth, your unused 529. When we first heard sort of the whispers of that, we thought it sounded so awesome. Now that it's out, it's pretty limited. It's not a lot of use there. So if you have questions on that, certainly something we can get into, but not something I think is worth spending a lot of time on here. And then they've also increased, the for older ages, increased what that catch-up contribution can be. So you now can get a $10,000 limit if you're age 60, 61, 62, or 63. So they've increased that and also indexed that IRA catch-up contribution for inflation. That was something that had been stuck, but that's going to continue to grow. And that's one of my biggest, I don't know if it's complaints or just things I wonder about is why is the IRA contribution limit so low? If a 401k is mm-hmm. 20,500 or now that's even gone up, why are they limiting people who just want to fund an IRA? So they're starting to help 
raise that limit so that they're starting to get more in line. Those are things I think as people are looking at their contributions for 2023, those are some changes that I think are worth looking into. Not all, if you have a simple plan or a SEP IRA plan, not all of those may have Roth available today, but I would guess that over the next few months, everybody gets that added to their plans. And I definitely think those are things that are worth considering. My personal opinion is that the Roth side of things is just really underused for people. And a lot of that is because they don't understand it. But especially younger people or lower income people, that Roth, I think, can make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm with you. I Just a general comment that one of the things that bugs me in the tax code is the lack of things that are indexed to inflation. So when they do come up, it's just an arbitrary 500 or a thousand bucks where, especially in a year like 2022, where we've seen pretty major changes in inflation and increases in the CPI, it's nice to see Congress pass a few things here that that give people more opportunity to grow the, the amount of money that they can put away and save for retirement. So good changes from those perspectives. The last few years, and one of the things that came out, the SECURE Act came out right as COVID hit. So they even made a few quick adjustments there with COVID in terms of limiting distributions or limiting, giving people more access during times of distress. Historically speaking, again, if you're trying to access 401ks, IRAs, you're paying taxes, you're paying penalties to try to get money out of there. But they've started adding more access for people in periods of distress. And that's another thing I think is going to be really impactful as you consider the last year and all the hurricanes we've seen and all these other things. They're trying to help people not really avoid that penalty. Yeah. And maybe the goal, and I'll, I'll run through a couple of these changes, but maybe the goal of some of this is to communicate to the American saver to say, hey, don't be so afraid of putting money into retirement plans because you're afraid that you can't get it out if you need it. Here's some reasons why you'll be able to get it out without paying penalties and that kind of thing. So a few additions made to that, and there's a pretty long laundry list of things that can happen in your life that that will allow you to still access retirement funds, but they made a few changes. So first is in terms of disaster recovery. So you can take up to $22,000 over your lifetime if you are in a federally declared disaster area, if you were in the path of Hurricane Ian and you had some major problems, you're able to access up to 22000 spread over the course of three years from your retirement plan and have the ability to also pay that back over the following three years without any penalties or, or tax impact, which should bring people some comfort that, hey, I can at least access some of my money there that I put into the retirement plan. Another just quick mention of issues that people face is if you have a terminal illness, you'll be able to take distributions out. And it sounded to us like the terminal illness definition was really quite broad. There there may be some more specifics in there that we'd want to get our clients in front of a CPA to really understand what qualifies, but nice to have the ability to distribute if you have a terminal illness. And then an unfortunate part of the tax code here, but if you've been a victim of domestic abuse then you can take out up to 10000 to be used in that kind of a situation. So unfortunately, we have to talk about that, but it's a reality of, of the world we live in, probably regardless of where people live, domestic abuse is happening. And again, a very broad definition, I believe, of what's termed as domestic abuse to qualify for the distribution. So some nice enhancements there. Yeah. As you mentioned, that is unfortunate, but to your point, we hear all the time, if I put money in the IRA, it's locked up till I'm 59 and a half. And so why would I'm not willing to do that? And this is giving people a reason to 
still want to save and help people back on their feet, regardless of the unfortunate circumstance they may find themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I said, 125 pages and most of these you, you might realize are relatively, Congress didn't lecture through this bill too much, at least for the Secure Act part of it. I don't know about the other 4,000 pages or so. I can certainly say I didn't personally read that, but there were a lot of other just paragraph line items of different things that were changed. So I figured I could run through just a handful of those. And, you know, as you said, it's a long list, so we can just hit these real quick. Yeah. So some quick hits is what we'll call them, I guess. So first, the penalty, the tax penalty for missing an RMD, required minimum distribution, historically was 50%. So you screw up your RMD, you didn't take enough, you're going to pay 50% of whatever amount you missed as a penalty. They've now reduced that to 25%, which is nice and helpful if you just make an error. And it's reduced even further to 10% if you fix it in a timely manner. They call it the correction window. You'll have a few weeks to realize, oh, whoops, I missed my RMD. I didn't quite get it right. And that penalty comes down to 10%. So that's a nice change. Something that that we were talking about just before this, Austin, that we were excited about was that if you're a sole proprietor, I mean, you set up a 401k, we're often rushing to get those done by the end of the year so that we can defer salary from that sole proprietor, from that business owner for that current year into the 401k. Now you can actually defer salary from the previous year into the 401k. So you don't necessarily have to rush to get it done by December 31st. You're going to have a few more months of leeway where you can get salary deferred back in. And I, that's something I think you know is going to be really important and something we're going to spend a lot of time on as we get into tax planning season for this year is yep. for our clients that maybe didn't set one up last year or we thought about it as we're do as they're getting ready for taxes, they still have the opportunity. So that's really important to talk to your tax preparer about see if there's if there's the ability for you to take advantage of that. Yeah, there's there's not very many things in the tax code that you can say, okay, I'm looking back at 2022 and figuring out how I can fix my taxes. That's 2022 is gone. You're stuck with where you are, but this is one of those few things that you can do in the few months after 2022 before you file to maybe help yourself. So that's nice. Just a quick hit, a quick mention that ETFs, exchange traded funds can now be used in insurance and annuity products. Previously, that was only mutual funds. We see that as bringing the cost of those kind of financial products down, which will be a good thing. So without getting into more details there, that's a nice update from Secure 2.0. And then starting in 2024, employers are going to be able to match student loan payments. Waiting on some clarity, frankly, and this is how these bills always go, right? They write them and then the IRS takes a long time to to issue some guidance and tell us exactly what's going to happen. But so waiting on some clarity for mechanics there, how that's actually going to work, but could be a nice benefit that employers can offer employees if those employees are currently paying on you know existing student yeah, loans. That's another thing I'm really excited about too, because we've had there's been so much discussion, especially over the last year around student loans and, yeah, and with forgiveness. The student loan forgiveness and all that right. kind of stuff. That's and this is just offering another way for employers to help their employees. And it's I think it's something that there will be a lot of employers, you know, probably it's leaning towards the larger employers to be able to have the excess cash flow to do that, but something that can really help, especially their newer employees, just getting new jobs with and having to start making their loan payments. That's something I think is really exciting. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. There, There's another, a little bit of a change that's forthcoming, but also a piece of the tax code that we wanted to mention here. It's called the savers match. And for folks that are lower, more modest income, they can get a tax credit up to 50% of the first 2000 of contributions that they make to a retirement plan. And that's a really nice benefit to say, hey, we're going to help you on your taxes if you'll contribute to a retirement plan. That's changing in 2027. So it's, you know, it's a few years away. It will change from being a tax credit to simply being an additional contribution to the plan, but a good thing for folks in a lower income kind of situation. Yeah, again, doing a good job trying to incentivize yep. people who may not save otherwise to save. Yeah. Just as you say that, it, it reminds me that we are talking about something that Congress did, something that is typically very political. This was very much Secure Act 2.0, this 125 pages of the 4,100 page bill was very much a bipartisan effort. There wasn't a bunch of fighting. There was general just agreement, which we don't talk about in Congress very much, if ever. Generally speaking, these changes, while some of them aren't huge and we're just hitting them really quick, generally good things, like you say, Austin, to incentivize saving, thinking about retirement in the future. Two other things to mention, I'll be quick about these. Nice startup credits for small business owners who start a new retirement plan like a 401k. Uh, essentially credits that will offset you know the startup costs which can be significant in the first year to to get a plan document in place and find the right people to help you with it so they're just enhancing those credits that'll be very beneficial to a lot of small business owners there there's also an interesting new provision called emergency savings accounts of course another acronym ESAs we have HSAs we have FSAs here we go with an ESA which these are going to be small accounts attached to an employer sponsored plan where employees will be able to save up to two and a half thousand dollars, twenty five hundred bucks. And the as you might imagine, these are designed to be for kind of emergency savings. And so the investments held there will really just be cash or cash equivalents. And then when you go to distribute from them, you're not going to be taxed on them. There'll be qualified distributions. Um, so you're not getting a penalty as you pull that money out to to help with whatever you need. So a, a nice way to incentivize people to have some money set aside for a rainy day, as it were. I'm not sure we went through those quick hits very quickly, but as you can see, there is a lot of stuff. Tried. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff that has changed. And so these are all the things we're going to be working with clients on. There's a few things that didn't make it in that we were expecting or things right. that have been on the IRS's list for a while here or and Congress's list. First is the backdoor Roth survived. So a backdoor Roth is just a way for um, people who have too high of an income to still be able to get money into Roth accounts. They've also been discussing limiting the ability of Roth conversions for people in certain asset or income limits. And lastly, we talked about RMDs at the beginning and having them based on age. There is some discussion on having them based on your balance instead. So if your balance is a certain number, so that may lead people to having to start taking money out earlier based on their balance. So those are a few things we're still weren't in this bill are still things that are being talked about and may come down in the future. Man, we covered a lot of stuff here. Thanks for we coming did. on, Rick. Yeah. Um, but if you had any questions about what we talked about today or how any of this new Secure Act may impact your financial situation, please check out our website at wittenbergwealth.com or you can text me at 801-839-7056. And please remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. 
click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.